Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Right Dose with me, Dr. Sherry Standing. Taking care of a child's health can be a very difficult task. Each episode, I will explore topics that you would normally discuss with a pediatrician at your appointment. My goal is to empower parents and children by helping them access tools for lifelong healthy living. Welcome back to The Right Dose. I'm Melinda Mackey, and today along with me, I have Dr. Kristen Bollinger with Greater Regional Health. How are you? I'm good. How are you this morning, Melinda? I am good, and you are one of the family uh, practitioners at Greater Regional Health. Yes, I do family medicine, and I also deliver babies. Um, I've been here for about nine years, and I grew up in Bedford Gravity area, so I am a local and was born at this hospital. Now, did you always want to be a doctor? Actually, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I kind of made the decision in college, which was a little later than I think most people. Uh-huh. Well, it, it seems to be working out pretty well. Yes. So. And yes, you have two is. children of your own. Yes, I do. A four-year-old daughter, Liz, and then just a brand new baby girl, Catherine. Oh, Catherine and Liz. I love those names. Thank you. So nice. Are they family names? No. No, oh. we just liked them. So kind of random. I love it. <laughs> Well, today, uh, you're, you're here for Dr. Standing, who is out this morning, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, well, a lot about birth control options and just a complete full disclosure. When I was looking at birth control options, these were not on the list. <laughs> there, there's a lot of things that, uh, that young ladies can consider for uh, their birth control options, and We'll start at the very beginning of this and starting that conversation as a teenager with your parents. How, how would you uh, encourage it, uh, someone to talk, start, start that conversation with their parents? Um, so a lot of times, uh, the most common reasons that teenagers want to be on birth control could be something um, as simple as, you know, their periods are irregular, they're super heavy, they're causing them to miss school or those sorts of things. Um, and sometimes birth control can solve those issues. Um, the other big reason that uh, teenagers want to talk about birth control is for pregnancy prevention. And sometimes that's a difficult conversation for teens and parents to have. Um, so it's, I've discovered it's kind of um, not just uh, what are the options, but also how do we address sexuality and, and teenagers and how do we make the best decisions for those things. So options for birth control, obviously abstinence is, is one of the best and the one I that try to uh, promote the most. <laughs> but I, I realize that that's not always going to be um, a viable option for people. So um, other options are obviously condoms, and I recommend that those are used with other forms of birth control as well because condoms on their own are not um, 100% effective at preventing pregnancy. We've all seen that episode of Friends where Emma was conceived. They were only 97% effective. Ross and uh, Joey both called the condom company. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
Um, but um, as Melinda was saying, there are so many other options these days. So there is the birth control pill that everybody's probably familiar with. You have to remember to take it every day. Um, as a teenager, remembering something every day is typically not the easiest mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so there are other things that um, the pharmaceutical companies have come out with. There's a patch that you can change weekly on your arm. If you're into sports and you're sweating all the time, you know, that's probably not the best option for you. Um, There is a ring, um, and that's um, placed in your private areas and changed monthly. Um, There's an implant that can go in your arm, and that um, lasts for three years. You don't have to remember to do anything on a regular basis. Just get it changed three years later. Um, And then there's also IUDs that last five years if it's the hormone-based kind. There's another that's copper-based and lasts 10 years. Um, The hormone one is really nice because it helps with painful periods, it helps regulate you, and you have about a 60% reduction in the amount of bleeding after you've had that in place for about six months. So that's a a really popular option. Um, The other one is the depot shot. And you come in every three months, you get a shot in the arm and absolutely no period. Mm -hmm. So some kids really like that option. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll back up a little bit. Um, I think most people that would be listening to this would be familiar with the pill that's been around for forever. Um, And then, but the patch, how is that that's changed, uh, changed weekly? Yeah. So would that be able to be worn someplace where maybe it could be covered by clothes, like on the lower back or something like that? Um, There are several places that you can attach the patch. Um, The upper arm, the thigh, the back, um, um, on the buttock. So -hmm. there are several places you can put that that it's not going to be obvious that you're wearing it. Right. Um, The big thing with that is don't put it on the same place every single time. So you need to Mm -hmm. kind of move it around so that you don't get skin irritation. And speaking of skin irritation, would that be something if someone was like allergic to to latex or adhesive or something along those lines that maybe that wouldn't be an option for them? Correct. That's not going to be a good plan. Yeah. And so now the ring, this is not a ring on your finger. No, it's not. So now what, and is this painful? It's not. So the way I kind of explain the ring is it's kind of like a hair tie, but it's plastic and it's bendable. And you actually, bend it you place it up inside of your um, vaginal area you leave it in there for three weeks after three weeks you remove it you have a period for one week and then after your period's over for the week you place another one huh and no pain no pain huh and you don't need to go into the clinic to have that done or removed or put in or anything it, it takes a little bit of learning to sort it out right. so if you've if you've never you know used a tampon or stuff like that it's going to be a bit of a learning curve, but it is an option. And they can still have sexual relations while using this, and it's just you don't even know it's there. Correct. Huh. Yep. And then we'll go into the implant, and how, how does the implant work? So the implant, it's progesterone-only based. It's maybe um, an inch and a half or two-inch little um, plastic tube, and it goes in your upper arm and you'll be able to feel it underneath of your skin but you don't see it visibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our OBGYN out at the hospital does place those um, and it's you have a little bit of numbing and then they kind of um, almost inject the bar into your arm and then mm-hmm. it stays for three years and keeps you from um, getting pregnant. It's not going to help with those irregular cycles but it a lot of times it does reduce heavy bleeding. So like compared to the pill, then maybe it wouldn't keep you quite as regular as, as what the pill might. Exactly. And then uh, we'll t- talk a little bit about the IUD. Um, I've seen things uh, years past 
with problems with infection with IUDs. Is that something that that's kind of a thing in the past is the infection part of it? So IUDs really, um, so there's that rare instance where you're going to get an infection mm -hmm. or it may have difficulty being removed after the five-year mark. Um, those are really pretty minimal these days. Mm -hmm. um, it's a small T-shaped device. It's extremely flexible. There's no like fish hooks attached to it or anything that are going to get lodged inside of you, which some people are like, wait a second, right. what is this? Right. Um, and so very, very flexible, malleable, um, goes inside of there, um, strings stick outside of your cervix. And so when it's time to be removed because, um, you know, you've grown up and you're ready to have kids, um, your fertility comes back immediately as soon as it's, re as it's removed. Mm -hmm. Um it can be uncomfortable being placed, um, especially in a teenager who hasn't had children yet, um, mm -hmm. but it is possible. And that lasts for five years. And so, but if you do change your mind, then it can be removed at any time. Sure, sure. Okay. Say, because 10 years is a long time. A lot of things can change in 10 years. Right. And the 10-year and the one is a copper one, so there's absolutely no hormones. Um, so um, just to kind of differentiate, there is a hormone one that lasts five years and a non-hormone one that will last 10. And, and yet, Yes, you can have it removed at any time. And it's not enough metal to set off like a metal detector? No, like no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I have not okay. heard that one yet. <laughs> that's, that's good to know. You know, you're not going to be setting those off at the bank or anything. Or right. Social security office and have to explain. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Well, and then the depo shot, um, is, is that healthy to not have a period for three months? It is totally okay to not have a period, um, and the depot shot, you actually get a shot every three months. Uh -huh. So um, I have some teenagers, and as a family medicine doctor, I see adult adults as well. Mm -hmm. So I have some women who have been on the depot shot for years and have not had a period. Um, I would say the one caveat is they have noticed an increase in like osteoporosis um, if you're on it for a long term because mm -hmm. it does um, decrease the bone turnover. But this might be something that you could give it a shot for a little while and yes so mm -hmm. the biggest side effect with this is weight gain and so uh -huh. i'll have some kids say you know i've gained 30 pounds on this i don't like it i don't want to do it anymore right well when you're due for your next shot make an appointment instead and say hey i want to try something else and we can always do that yeah yeah okay and then um Let's talk about parents having this conversation. Maybe uh, you're suspecting that your maybe your daughter is seeing someone, and you're wondering if maybe things are moving a little bit uh, in that direction. How would a parent start a conversation with with their child? Do you just like haul them into the doctor and say, "Okay, here we go"? <laughs> so, as a physician, I've had that happen. <laughs> so sometimes that is the way it gets started, and that's okay. Um, having done this for nine years in the community, I've kind of developed my quote sex talk that I try to have with teenagers mm -hmm. um, and then the parents kind of listen and um, and then also jump in when they feel you know um, they have stuff to add mm -hmm. so I think the big thing with um, speaking about sex and teenagers is explaining to them that it is an, an important part of life and that it is a special thing that shouldn't be taken for granted or used in the wrong way um, and so kind of creating boundaries and saying um, when is it appropriate to have sex as a teenager? When is that okay for me to do? Um, and being able to protect yourself both physically and emotionally um, from from that experience. Mm -hmm. um, so what I what I recommend is that they create some sort of boundary for themselves. Um, when I was a teenager. Um, 
you know, I decided I'm not going to have sex until I get married. And I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that not everybody is going to have those same sort of boundaries or same sort of ideas about that. So what I recommend is that, you know, you get your journal or you get a straight up plain piece of paper and you write, you know, my decision is to have sex after X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe it's I've been dating someone for a year or um it's really up to you, but it's important for you to create that Mm -hmm. boundary. Um, And I hope that all teenagers and all people at some point in their their life have decided, you know, I'm not going to cheat on a test. Um, You know, so you drew that boundary, and that's part of you becoming an adult and part of you developing your character and Mm -hmm. who you're going to be for for life. So kind of creating a safe boundary of when is this appropriate, when is it okay, and then sitting down and talking to your parents. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes we don't think our parents know much, but they have lived a few more years than we have. So, (laughs) you know, kind of going through that with them and um, Mm -hmm. having that frank conversation of of when this is okay and and those sorts of things is important. Um, And I I already did mention that condoms are important despite Mm -hmm. what... what birth control option you choose. Um, So we want to prevent sexually transmitted infections. We want to prevent pregnancy as a teenager when you're not ready for that responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And as teenagers, you have the whole world of opportunities in front of you. Um, And just kind of keeping those options open is huge. So, Mm -hmm. you know, along in that journal is, you know, what do I want to do with my life? What are the steps I'm going to have to take to do that? Um, as a doctor, you know, I high school, college, medical school, residency. Mm-hmm. Heavens, I didn't start my job till I was thirty. So um, you just kind of have still really to, young for a doctor. Though, yes, you know. So you you kind of got to think about your life um, in the yeah. future and and when to have sex and and the possible consequences of that you need to be aware of. So mm-hmm. kind of having those frank conversations with your kids is important. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I've mentioned talking to your daughters many times about this too, but talking to your sons about safe sex is equally as important. I, I really you know you, your sons have got to understand too how everything works and how babies are made and how babies are prevented and how disease is prevented. So, and uh, I, I don't know how many times I've heard boys, they'll say, oh, well, she's on the pill. Oh, well, she's on this or that. No, that's not, not, uh, not gonna protect you from everything. And it's still, t- talking to your boys, I have two boys and uh, I'm sure that they probably got sick and tired of hearing me. Uh, we have a very open household, so. <laughs> They, uh, uh, but making them feel comfortable and, and able to come to you with questions is is absolutely priceless. So I'm sure they did not come to me with everything, but the big stuff that's that's important. So, and I think making sure you know there is permission, there is understanding. You know, mm-hmm. just because someone's on birth control doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want with right. each other. You know, you have to have that that permission right. and make sure that is a safe space. Mm-hmm. That that word no means absolutely no it doesn't mean keep trying keep asking or start begging it means no right <laughs> that's a that's a big conversation to have with boys in my opinion and um i think we've covered just about everything uh oh and then if someone has resources i think that uh, if they are having any questions if they want to bring their their child i think you would be a really great person for them to talk to sure so, sure yes it, and i'm still accepting patients so if you 
Um, if you need kind of an icebreaker to start this conversation with your teenager, I'm more than happy to mm -hmm. kind of be a tool for um, people in the community to use for that. You know, and I think that that's a really great setting to have that conversation. Not to, not, not, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but I think that you would be a really great place, uh, or your office would be a really great place to have that conversation if parents are feeling uneasy about talking to their son or daughter about sex and the options uh, that are available. Then I feel like in a doctor's setting, it would be, it would keep everyone calm and no, and the kids aren't going to storm out <laughs> you know they are kind of held hostage in that situation they are. They <laughs> although are. i don't always get their eye contact but uh probably not <laughs> they usually come around <laughs> but that's okay you know you've got that door open and keeping kids safe is is the absolute ultimate goal so right and that's what you're doing so and okay I, and i think as parents you know it's important to 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 have these conversations and yeah. to let your kids know that they are important and they are worthy of love and that um, that they have value mm -hmm. and you know setting your kids up to make good decisions is is mm -hmm. always an important mm -hmm. and it's their decision it's mm -hmm. not their friends decision to make for them it's their decision so yeah. all that is private information you don't have to share anything you don't want to and that's that's great. And and with with the current HIPAA laws, you know, if a teenager wants to come and talk to me about this without mm -hmm. their present or without their parents' permission, um, that's possible. I think it's best to have that conversation mm -hmm. with your parents. Um, mm -hmm. But if you feel like you're kind of stuck in a situation and you need help, um, I'm here for you as well. All right. Well, Dr. Bollinger, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Right Dose. If you like the show and want to know more, check out greaterregional.org and click on the podcast page for episodes, information discussed on the podcast, and if you have suggestions on topics that you want to hear about. Also, if you like what you've heard here, give us a review.